0: Uh, the laws of war in halacha suffer from uh, a dearth of information. You have the psukim, and then you have a gap of a basically a few thousand years. Because war was not a very practical halachic question for most of Jewish history. So during the formative periods of, of halacha, war is not really mentioned. It doesn't have sections uh, you know, in the Shulchan Aruch, there's very little in the Gemara, there's no specific mesechda about it. So a lot of the later stuff is from, the, a lot of the, the modern stuff is really from Rabbanim after the formation of uh, Eretz Yisrael. Yes, uh, the, the later. See there weren't, there weren't a lot of wars on the Jews' behalf, but when was first written Yekiva, lived a war. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, but there's no, I don't know why, but there's no masekhta about it specifically. And in Sanhedrin, where it talks about it, it has very few halacha. So You're not going to find a, a Mishnah that has, like, here are the halachas of war, and you don't have a section of Shulchan Arif. So it's true that there are some stuff, and there were people who live through war, but there's no, like, section halacha where you'd say, everyone's quoting from a this, that, this. They're pulling it from, you know, stories in, the ta- in Tanakh, and, like, inferring from there. As opposed to most other halacha where you have a lot more, basically. <coughs> but yeah, that's true. There were people who lived through wars, uh, but for some reason, the halachas of what they did in Barkachpo's revolt, it's just not mentioned, as far as I know. So, um... Huh? Yeah, that's true. Yes, <laughs> people who could have written it, didn't. we only could write about the wars we win. So, um, in the Torah you have two main wars described. First one is called Arim um, HaKroivim, the close cities, cities that are close to Eretz Yisrael. And there the rule is, you wipe out everybody, men, women and children. The second one is Arim HaRechoikim, further ones, further cities. And those ones you can only kill Zecharim, males, adults. Not women and children. So these are not exactly Mitzvah versus Mohemas mitzvah, um, Rushos, but they're two different categories. Now the reason why um, you're allowed to kill men, women and children for the close cities, um, there are different reasons given, but the one most commonly cited is that it had to do with the fact that Jews could not live next to idolaters. People who were doing Avayda Zarah could not live next to Jews, so you give them the option. They can stop doing Avayda Zarah, they can move out. If they don't accept either of those options, then they have to be wiped out. But if Avayda Zarah is not on the table, then those laws do not apply. And so for that reason, um, the Rabbanim of Eretz Yisrael do not apply the the concept of Arim Kroivim of nearby cities to any of the modern Israeli wars. Because the uh, avoid-a-zara aspect of it, which was the justification for killing both men, women, and children, doesn't apply in our times. Why? Why, why is only war, not about, fighting, why not about is Meaning, that, yeah. the point is that it is, but our job is not to go around and kill everyone who does have a zara But if you're in a war already? if you're in a war already, should you be specifically going on and doing it? Maybe. But the point is that you don't have to go out and say, I'm going to travel across the world to find everyone who's, who's being over on the Shav Mitzvahs. The goal, the Mitzvah here was that within this border where you have to live, you can't have Oiv Deva who are next to you who will then, you know, impact you. What was the reasoning of the modern day of that's not to that be <laughs> Because they're, they're not to be The I mean, maybe the Christians, but definitely not the Muslims. Um, so, Christian some them, yeah, maybe, but maybe the Christians, but uh, definitely not the, the, the Muslims. So they mostly compare it more to Muhammad's of um, like uh, fighting the Plishtim and wars like that, where the goal is really about um, protecting, um, not about other, you know, keeping the your world, area sorry, separate. All about defense, well, yes. Yes. So, so, right. Well, here, here is where Arim rechayim and Arim are not exactly the same as melchames mitzvah, melchames Roshos. So, when you're going to war, defend Eretz Yisrael, defend the Jews, specifically Eretz Yisrael, defend Jews. It's according to almost all opinions, it's melchames mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to go to war, but it doesn't mean it's a mitzvah the same way it's arim krayvim, close cities where you have to wipe out everybody. So, the example of this. Um, was in 1982 in Lebanon War. So Lebanon War, South Lebanon was ruled by the PLO and they were for years doing different terrorist attacks and, and you know, attacking Israel. And then they attempted to um, assassinate the Israeli ambassador to Britain. And this was seen as cause as belly and they went in um, to Lebanon. At the time, Lebanon was kind of in a civil war. It had two factions. It had the Muslim faction, the PLO-backed faction, and the Christian faction, the Phalanges. So they had a leader, Gemayel, who was very pro-Israel. So Israel said, we're going to come in, we're going to wipe out the PLO, and we're going to put in power the Christian group, and then we'll have an ally on our northern border. Menachem Begin said, peace for 40 years. That's what we're going to get. So Israel went in, and then a bomb derailed their plans. Gemayel and his cabinet were meeting in some hotel somewhere and they were all assassinated uh, with a bomb. And this really changed the, the way that Israel viewed the war because now their main ally was very much in disarray. So they kept you know, going in, um, trying to still kick out the PLO from South Lebanon. And at one point in the war, they came to um, two refugee camps, Sabra and Shatila. And those camps were known to be infested with PLO members. So Israel showed up and surrounded them. And then the, they said to their Christian Phalangia allies, they said, you guys go in and you clear them out. We will wait outside, make sure no one escapes. You go in. So the Phalangians went in and they massacred everybody. Uh, went around and just killed whoever they found. The, the estimates in this massacre are anywhere between 800 to 3,500 people mostly civilians, elderly women and children. And this also dramatically changed the vision of the war where America who had before supported Israel a lot more pulled back a lot after this. So Israel didn't really do anything. They stood outside and let their allies go in and the allies massacred everybody. So the Rabbanim were then asked like how do we view the generals who made this decision? So most of the Israeli Rabbanim were very critical they said well not exactly They said if they knew that the phalanges who had just had their leader assassinated were violent and murderous and would do this then they should not have let them in even though the area was full of uh, you know PLO terrorists since they were going to kill also women and children which are not you're not allowed to kill in this type of war therefore they would not be allowed to let them in so here we see again a practical Um, example of them saying that these wars are not considered mitzvah in the terms of wiping out men, women, and children. Instead, only Zahar and G'dayim, at least. And so, not just that you can't kill them, you also have an obligation to protect them from other murderous entities. Did did the fact that you mentioned something, I'm not sure why you mentioned it, that they said they should have waited a bit, or they were in the heat of the moment? Is that your saying that, or the Rabbani said that? Um, Did I "Cool down, period? I'm not sure. You said that in the heat of the moment, the general had just been killed. And I mean, I'm, I'm giving theories for why exactly they did it. Um, I don't know. It could be that even without that, they just hated the Muslims altogether and would have done it anyway. It part of their abundance, their abundance, the Rabbanim, the that was, was that part of the reason? That, that they should have no. that they were... They, uh, so I didn't see anyone saying that they should have known. I don't think the Rabbanim ever wants to go that far and say we would have known or they should have known. But rather, you should do an investigation yourself whether you should have known, basically. If you should have known, then it was a problem. That's the, the, most, the most that I saw. Um, you can that see that from no source that. Yeah. I mean, yes, was, the source too. Yeah Yes, was Yes, it was in a very brutal yeah, area really and time. Important. Yeah.: Yes, <laughs> because, the, the, because they were not presumed to know that they would have done it basically. But the point is that if you would have known, you would have a moral obligation to protect enemy women and children. Not just that you can't kill them, you also have to protect them from other murderous entities that are your allies. Oh. So that's even further than just not killing them. That's the point I'm trying to make. That's huh? To um, so it was Avram Alkanah, Shapira, and um, Shal Yisraeli. The Which are like the chief, rabbis of Israel. chief Rabbis of Israel, yeah. yeah. That's mostly who I look at as the chief rabbis of Israel. Do, do we place any weight on the fact that their deployment um, is at will by the government? The chief rabbis of Israel? May, yeah. I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't think that far. I just presumed that there, are the rabbinic that we have that talk about. It. If I find a conflicting source, maybe we'll discuss it. But it, basically, everyone I looked at, the people who talk about it, were the chief rabbis of Israel. That's, that's basically the abundant which speak about it. And everyone else said, you know, it's their job to, to, to rule that. Okay, so the question then becomes, we know that targeting people who are women and children, um, who are not part of the world at all, is, is according to Chodes, in our, our wars, is problematic. But what if they are in some way connected or involved? So here, the closest story we find is Shechem. So with Shechem, Uh, Dina was captured, taken to Shechem. Shimon and Levi come in and kill the entire city. So the question is, why? Why did they wipe out the entire city? What did the entire city do? So there's different answers. The first answer is from the Rambam. If you see in number two, he says that um, a Noahide who transgresses the seven commandments should be executed by decapitation. For this reason, all the inhabitants of Shechem were were obligated to die. Shechem kidnapped, they observed, were aware of his deeds, but did not judge him. In other words, the um people nayah are obligated to prevent others around them from sinning. And if they don't, they bear the guilt and therefore they are also responsible. So the entire city of Shem um, I don't know, <laughs> presumably not the children. Right, 100%. And that's where the next people the next, you know, people respond to the Rambam are like who says that they're right, and on top of that, who says that that was the reason. But the Rambam takes it as like, they had a reason, and the reason why, they, why Yaakov was upset at them wasn't because was, they were wrong, but he said to them, it's not our jurisdiction, meaning it's not our job to judge them, not that they weren't chayav. That's the way the Rambam views it. Other people say that, in, in, you know, in concept, they were wrong. But the Rambam views it literally as if they were responsible, everyone in Shechem was responsible because they didn't stop them. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, so that's the Rambam's the Rambam's vision. the The Ramban disagrees, and he says that um, that's not the reason. Um, he says even if you are Chayev for not stopping someone else from sinning as a no yeah, you're not Chayev misa. So he says maybe they had a responsibility, but it doesn't mean that they would have been killed. Um, rather, he, he, the Ramban says they were just wrong for doing it. And that's why Yaakov was angry. Should have killed Shechem and no one else. Um, so the, the Rambam said that they, it was their fault and they all deserved to die. The Ramban says no, and Yaakov was angry and they did not deserve to die. It's not the If the Rambam read that they were angry on something, then they would be high. But he doesn't hold that they were angry. Yes question is what does it mean to be over? Is doing nothing making you high That's the question. If you do nothing, does that make you chayv? Yeah. Does it say somewhere that they killed the women and children? Or just the men? Um, I think it was all the men. All men. The men? So the yes. Them, right? Yeah, they didn't kill the women of children. Yeah, I'm yeah. just looking now. They It says, calls it called Yeah. Yes. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, the question then that is, yes, exactly. Uh, again, so when it says Zaharim, when it, even for the, for the wars it, some people seem to read it as women versus men and versus women and children it's not literally men versus women and children rather it's combatants and non-combatants so then what about Shechem something like that so the Orachayim, um he also disagrees with the Rambam and he says listen if your king is doing something and you disagree Mazel Tov for your disagree what are you going to do now you can disagree with your king from today to tomorrow Doesn't mean anything The American government's doing stuff Doesn't mean that I'm specifically supporting it You know, not always can you stop people from doing things So just not judging him is not good enough He's the leader, he's the prince It's not going to happen Rather, they must have been active and complicit in the actual events So he says that Accordingly, we are forced to include The guilt of the people of Shechem Consisted of their being active accessories They may even have advised Shechem how to successfully rape Dina That's what he says so, the Rambam says, doing nothing, chayv. The Rambam says, uh, no. Not at all. And the Orachayim says, only active. If you are active, then you are chayv. But he says that they must have been active. They must have been active. So he said, there isn't any peaceful uh, program. The question is, what does it mean to be active? He's saying, if you... Advising. He's saying, if you do nothing, chayv. Chayv. Right? If the Rambam says, no, there, there could be somebody who's living in shaman. Yes. It's just... Keeping to themselves. Yes. The is coming and saying there, could, there is no one in Shechem that's keeping them to themselves. He's saying they saying from were, the fact they that they were. Must have been yeah, they must, meaning from the fact they were killed, they must have been active. But if they hadn't been active, then they wouldn't have been killed. That's what he's saying. So active, the Rahim is basically agreeing that Ramban. Yes. He just gives it, it, it the other. The scenario changes. The difference is, were they right or wrong? The Ramban says they were wrong. And the Rahim says no, they were right. There was a jurisdiction issue. And they were right because they were active. So between these two. Um, Rav Shal Israeli rules not like the Rambam. He feels like the Rambam and the Aruch and he says that only people who are active. He says if you're not just because you're not stopping someone doesn't mean that you are okay with it. Um, and so if they have an, any any group that has an excuse to say that um, if they would have tried they would have been killed, is enough to not be chayav misa just from you know being there. Um, I don't know. I do How would you be voters? Hmm? voters? That's an excellent question. I, if it seems like, that would be active. I mean, if you voted Hamas into power, that would be an active um, thing. Because they're very clear about what they're going for. Yeah. It was just a class, the, the... They're still uh, very uh, very high in, on Hamas, in, yeah. in, uh, in more the more West Bank and Gaza. More in the West Bank than Gaza. Yeah. They're not under them. It makes sense. <laughs> It's very easy to want communism when you live in a communist country, and I'm saying it's the same thing. Um, so those are the, the different visions, but it views that seems like um, anybody who was active in support of Hamas in any way, meaning even advising. He says even advising how is good enough to be high of according to the Rahim, um, but just sitting around not. Nah. So according to is Israel could wipe out 80% of the West Bay <laughs> what Well I don't know, the problem, I mean, if you say voting itself, just with voting or with general support? With voting, because the, the problem is that, I, I don't know exactly, Shamati, that most of the people in Gaza didn't vote. <laughs> Meaning, the, the, in 2006, it was 50 50. It was 50 50, and that doesn't represent the entire population. And then on top of that, a lot of people were born after. So I don't know for sure. Yeah. That's the question. What about polling? Does does polling meaning that's expressing support? It's not voting. I don't think it's exactly the same thing. I, this, but this is like you know me and rub saying that. I don't know. Um, so, for doing what? Like, is the UN? Say, if the UN, let's say. If the UN, let's say. Uh, Puts a school in that's spreading this stuff, then maybe. But I don't know when you say UN, I don't, you have to say that's a very broad statement. The, the which arm specifically, the people who are doing it, don't know. I don't know. But there's definitely someone who is responsible do within the UN. UN. That's true. The question is, we will you be allowed to. I don't know. I don't know if you'd be allowed to. <laughs> maybe shoot first, track. ask questions later. Is that right? We're getting off track. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, what does it mean to help? So again, Rav Israeli, he discusses um, what does it mean to help. Giving food or supplies is considered active helping. So uh, anyone who is supporting, even just by bringing water, by doing stuff like that, is also going to be five misa as part of the assistance program there. The question is, what if they are assisting everybody, including you know the enemies? Then I didn't find anybody who talks about it. But it's hard to imagine that that. That, that is exactly the same thing. Because then it's not active, it's passive. Meaning I'm doing it for everybody, I'm not actively doing it for these people specifically. But uh, that's my theory, I don't know for sure. You have a store open. A guy walks in and buys. He's from Hamas. Did I do anything? Should I refuse service to him? Meaning the... the, the we'll always we talk about an actual case, right now, you end yeah. bringing in 4 eight, 4 eight, 4 day, yeah. And they know, at least now we know, that they do and most of it was going to Hamas we even did that yeah. so are they or not? They I, don't, I, don't, I don't know enough <laughs> to answer that question I mean they could argue and say that we are not bringing it for Hamas Hamas is taking it, and so that's us that's them not us right. we're not trying to bring it to Hamas and, then, and then that works the first time then what happens the next time Right. I mean it's always the same always the same defense so you want to say it's like there are times Right, I'm saying that's not good. I don't know. I don't know if sure that's good enough to be active. So Shlomo says giving food or supplies is active. The question is, is bringing supplies for everyone that you know they will take considered active? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, there is a dissenting view here. Who is Rav Shlomo Aviner? Who is the he's um, a rabbi. not not a chief rabbi of Israel. But he's a Rav Eretz Yisrael who wrote multiple books about this. He wrote a Shut Intifada. And uh, yeah, he's a, very, he's a settler. Yeah, He's a settler, pro-settler rabbi. And so he says, in war, we never differentiate. He says, all of the questions are only like after you've won. Or once the people have already been captured. Or when it's not. Well, in war, differentiation is out the window. When it says killing women and children, it means after you've won already. And so, um, so he, gets it from the, he gets it from the following. He says that during the, um, I think it was, can you remember? Um, it was a war with Amalek, it was Shaul. Shaul went to war with Amalek. And before he went to war, he sent a message to the Bnei Yisra, sons of Yisra. And he said, leave the Amalekites because I'm coming in to kill them. So he says the fact that he warned them meant that if he, they stuck around, they would have been killed. So most of them say that means that there was a chance that they would be killed because no one's certain. And therefore, the real lesson is that you have to warn people who are, who are deserving of, of protection. He says the opposite. He says the, the lesson is, is that we would kill them because we don't ask questions when we're in war. You can never know who is or is not a combatant, one guy who wasn't a combatant, in the next minute is a combatant. You kill everybody, and you ask questions at the end whether or not you should That's uh, Shalom Aviners vision. And historically, yes. Oh, that that's how war is? Well then well, Depends which war. Well this war. This war, war. they I presume that they're doing information yeah, yeah. and then going into areas when, where they when, know there's information. Right. They have communication. They're using AI now. No, no, no. no. People are not going to be able to Right, well, 100 yeah, percent units that are that are firing at each other and not knowing after two hours that right. there are people. Right, exactly. Friendly fire is incredibly so, uh, common in all wars. Now, the idea that, that people who are, who are innocent will be killed in war is 100%. The question is, if I see somebody who, I, who looks to me like a non-combatant, that's the question. Right now, in that moment, Shlomo says he might become a combatant in two minutes. If he's in the area, that's it. And most other owners say no. At that point, you have to make the decision whether or not he's a combatant. Or I guess we'll go with women, because maybe harem includes all men. But let's go with with a woman. So nowadays it's harim. Hundred percent. I know, that's why most people say that the sharim versus Nashim versus nushim is more combatant and non combatant. I just don't I don't wanna like make any statements that are not improved. Exactly. exactly. We we are not sexist here, we believe in female fighters. But also kids Yes. Also. Awesome. 100%. So, um, Shlomo Wiener... But he's alone. No so, uh, you know, he's not that far from everyone else. I mean, he's saying that, as far as I can tell, he's the only one who's like, we never check at all. Um, but most other people will say similar things of like, we create safe areas, and then everyone in this area is presumed to be a combatant until we know otherwise. Which is what Israel's trying to do. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but that's in our yeah. To create a yeah well that's the thing we're going to get there it's maybe not actually that's what we're going to get Sorry, to, that's to yes yeah other people say it's, I mean, the question is he's implying it's almost like a, a vadai, like you're there we're going to kill you if you're there we're going to kill you because we don't know other people say it's, it's a suffix if you're there we might kill you it the human well sh- that's the next section human, human, human shields it's the in the here we are going to kill you because we lump everyone together, and you are associated with these people, kind of like what the the rabbi says, and therefore you're out. Or is it because we okay. can't distinguish? That's what he says. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyone in this area might at, be a combatant. Any second, you can turn yes. And we uh, were able to sort of pick out All the, all the, them them, the, the fighters are in green. green. All the civilians are in red. We're still. <laughs> Right there. Yeah, the Yes. It, it sounds more descriptive than prescriptive. It wasn't like, hey, go kill all the. Like, no, that's probably what's going to happen. Right. 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 The story so, sounds. sounds like yes. A right. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. It, it seems more like he's the the more extreme vision of what is well, going on. Is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so the next question is human shields. So um, <laughs> again, Rabbi Shal uh, uh, Yisraeli has a section all about human shields. He talks about whether or not you're allowed to, you know, kill everyone, including human shields. So it would seem like the answer would be very obvious, but he actually makes it a lot harder than you would imagine. He asks this following question. He says, if you have uh, a right you're obviously allowed to kill them. What if you have a right if somebody who is a right against you, against their will? Are you now still allowed to kill them? He says, once they're right if they are no longer in the separate category of roidif, and now you have to you have the same question that we always have: if someone comes to you and says murder someone else, you have to die because who says that my blood is redder than their blood? My chaz is the samik He says that, and he says even if you might think that that's Jews versus non-Jews, so you wouldn't make that same logic. He says no, the logic still applies. And um, he proves this from the fact that that um, in halacha there's a big question whether you're allowed to save yourself with someone else's possessions. And the logic given for the possessions of non-Jews, um, he infers from it that it's really about them uh, with haskama. They're almost they're giving it over with haskama because it's better for that. For the, they have a chiyuv basically to protect you, versus their chiyuv to, to give up their own life, which doesn't apply. <laughs> Um, so there, it's not considered right of oinus, because they have the obligation. It's not literally mean The term oinus here has two meanings. It's one is guy pointing guns gun to your head, and two is physically forcing. Guy pointing guns gun to your head is you making the active choice to do this, not that. that just and there, that you shouldn't sense? actually listen. Does Sorry. Can you, can you no, he's the, he doesn't mean that. He means like someone's tied up and they are being thrown at you, or, you know, or something like that so he quotes the Rambam, he talks about the fact that the Rambam considers um, a right of that the baby a right of vinus but he says the fact that as soon as it comes out, it's no longer a right of. from the second the baby the head comes out, now you don't say right if anymore. It proves from there also that right of vinus is not considered an a right if it's only because they weren't born yet that we considered them a right if on the is sinking because too much weight. So can you throw your friend
1: over this is the case. And, he brings.
0: Well, I'm stronger than you, so you. And I'm right of minus you, so we called are equally you're to Yeah, right of doesn't mean that you're choosing because otherwise something bad will happen. At least that way he's describing. Right of means you physically have no other option. So, the right of is being someone else kill someone. So, he wouldn't say He'd say, there, your obligation there is to kill the to person coming to kill you. To get, get killed. So, therefore, you're not a right of mind. Right of blindness is you're, physi- like, uh, you know, you're physically being dragged somewhere and with a bomb strapped to your chest. You know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, it's not like you can say, I would rather get killed than I'd Right, yes, exactly. So, that's when the person getting attacked should get killed. Well no, he says from he says just we're getting too, too far ahead. He says right if alone is not enough of a justification to kill human shields even if they are non not? Oh. Huh? Why not? So he says first of all they're not considered to the, get they're not together the of right if, because they're right of That's A. And B, Jew and non-Jew also doesn't he doesn't it's not a differentiation hello. What is what is the precedent is not being So he gives a few different exa- uh, reasons. Reason 1 he gives is um, the case of the case he brought of of a ship where you're throwing things off of the ship, if you can use someone else's objects to save your own life, and he says the only reason that you're allowed to there is because of haskama on their part, agreement on their part. But without that agreement, you would not be allowed to. That's what he infers from it. He says the only reason you're allowed to use their object is because of haskama. And they wouldn't agree to be thrown off the boat. Right. And they wouldn't agree personally to be thrown off the boat, and therefore you're not allowed to there. So there's no haskama on their part. To, yes. is correct but there's life on both sides here but the main, I mean, the main point that he infers is that the, the fact that we don't just say well listen it's a right if what do you care why do we have to come up with an explanation the fact that we have to explain the reasoning is because the guy is giving haskama for you to throw his item off the boat implies that without haskama you wouldn't be allowed to and so he says, to life itself, that, it is that it's, uh, no, it's, it's, no, it's, no, 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 so we're still, not the last section of it yet. He's going through different theories and, and rejecting it. So then he says, um, so neither of those work. He says, the final reason why you're allowed to kill human shields is based on a country of the altar Altareve. The altar ever has the following question. He says, you go to a slave market, and a slave is being sold there. Are you allowed to buy the slave? That slave, you know, was, let's say a Roman Empire, they conquered some Etruscan person and put them up for sale. You're allowed to buy them, according to, you know, it seems like. But why? The Roman government that went and invaded the other country are just a bunch of thieves. So why are you allowed to buy slaves that one country conquered from another country? It's just theft. And then you're buying from a thief, which you're asar upon to halacha. So he says, uh, he, the Altarab says, the answer is there is an agreement between nations that that's the way war works. Dina Dinah between nations. The concept of dina is usually within a nation, everyone agrees to the king's rules. He says the same applies between nations. Anytime nations agree to something, it has halachic validity. And that's why you're allowed to buy that slave, because everyone agreed that during war you can conquer slaves. And so, interestingly, the Maharal applies that logic to Shrem. He says, "Why did they kill everyone in Shrem? everyone agrees that during war we kill everybody." That was the Maharal says. Like, why are you asking me? Of course, that's just what we do. So, um actually says, based on that, the reason why you're allowed to kill human shields is because that's what international law agreed upon. During war, you know, human shields are actually a valid target. Is that, is that yes, case? 100%. That yes. You see, South Africa lost the. We uh, yeah. yeah, they So they're there. Well, <laughs> depends who. If you said, hey, <laughs> it depends what type of human shield. If I said, hey, I'm everyone in this area needs to leave, and they said, we do not believe you can let us come back. They're not a right of violence. If they couldn't leave because Hamas is pointing a gun at them, yes. then they're a right of violence. But we're still allowed to kill them. So then you are, point international, because of international law. Yes. So uh, one more thing, um, Rav Shlomo Yisraeli says that all of this applies in Milchemes kivush in regular wars. However, what, does this idea that Dina Dama chosadina apply spe- even in milchames mitzvah? So here's where it gets a little bit confusing because. Yeah, but here's the point, the point is that Mohamed's mitzvah in the Torah is only one thing It's Shiva, it's, shiva amami, midian. it's like the ones that were set out specifically for a king, Sanhedrin, you need that Then you have Mohamed's Kivosh This middle one, which is to protect, is not mentioned in the Torah directly So most Rabbanim say it's Mohammed mitzvah But it's not Mohamed's mitzvah in the sense that you can kill women and children so it's this weird in-between third category where it's a mitzvah because you're protecting Jewish lives, but it's not mechemes mitzvah in the sense that you can kill everybody. So now the question is, do we apply the logic of Dina del to that type of war? Rav Shal Yisraeli is of the opinion that no. Mechemes, mechemes mitzvah do not have that situation and you're allowed to kill anyone no matter what. The whole concept of whether or not you're allowed to kill human shields and reidif and not reidif is irrelevant in mechemes mitzvah. Mechamis Mitzvah, you can kill whoever you want, basically. Not exactly, actually, we'll see that we'll read the paragraph in a second. But that question doesn't apply to Mechamis Mitzvah. And uh, Shlomo Avina says the same thing. Um, But other Abanim, I think, Akanash Shavira, he says, no, in this third category, which is Mechamis Mitzvah to protect, you still have to make these differentiations, and it depends on international law. And Dinna B'chasidina still applies, as long as it's not directly contradicting the objective of the war. So if your objective of war is to uh, wipe out an enemy. So if the international law is preventing you from doing that directly, then you don't have to listen to it. But if there's a way to make them both work together, then you do have to follow both. So basically you have in the modern law, in the current war, which is a mochemist mitzvah l'chola deis, um, you have that basically the two opinions. Either it's mochemist mitzvah and therefore you can kill basically anyone you want, any human shield, um, or not. Or you have to go with international law. So if you read Shal Yisraeli in number 5, he says, um, what comes out of this is that anytime you're fighting against the enemies of the Jews, call us any disaster, any any casualties that happen um, to them, to their children, they are the ones who are responsible. We do not have any responsibility, they are the ones that killed them. However, but to directly go and attack women and children, this we never find except for Chaytavaydazara. <laughs> uh, in number four, sorry, number four. So that's his, the conclusion of his section about this is that since he views it as Mohammed's Mitzvah, you, if there is literally one Hamas member, and a thousand civilians around, you were allowed to go and destroy the whole place. Um, because it's considered a Muhammad's mitzvah, according to Colonel Shapiro, you'd have to do the international law thing, which was they would require you to make a proportional calculation of whether you needed to actually kill all the civilians. What about, the, next round, that's, that's the, huh? the next Ramba. So, yeah, I want to get to the next one I want to say. Okay, so just, because Ragorn says the round does in the plot. Ragorn says the Raman does in the plot. Yes. Now uh, we're finding out where was is involved, and Red Cross is involved. Can you just assume at this point, everybody is involved? I mean, there are, there, are, there are, I was there at the events where they came in from. I mean, there are people that are talking, they said, women and children crossing so like who who's considered who is it? exactly uh, that's a good question I don't know and uh, honestly I don't know who's qualified to make that exact calculation um, it, to me you have it's always a question of at what point is your sample representative that's that's the larger always the question and so there's a statistical analysis for this of what at what point is that is now is the samples. Um, but when you have a self-selected sample, which is the people that cross, then it's not representative inherently. That's a true. So, huh? That's a true. Rule. So even without saying, I mean, yeah, so you said, hey, look, that guy did it. How, so, that's an RFI. What's? Yeah, that's RFI. You'd have to do something. I, I would otherwise been like I just I have to follow up something. No, what I'm saying is, more than that, that's, what, that's, that's a justification for they sat back. As long as you're active participants, you for sure are, he's saying, active, they themselves have an agreement. The question is, exactly. at what point are the active participants representative of the population? And so I haven't seen anyone who's, who makes that sort of calculation, who says, now we know if we can get 30% of the population to do that, we know everyone. Um, Scho- you know, We've got Shlora Wiener who says, like, yes, kind of, in an area where wars happen, basically. So, well, what do we know? So, what, I thought about this. Okay, if you have a guy you know who's you no, know so the question is, it's very hard to calculate. So I was thinking, there is halaches of a murderer runs into a group of ten, was it what? a group of ten people, or six murderers run into a group of four people, and now there's now there's roy of murderers, but you don't know. You're right. not allowed right. to kill them. I mean, yeah. So the, we have those halachas, but the problem is, those halachas probably do not apply to war. So I, I I I hesitate to make you know inferences from that type of halacha to war. How many of the rabbis in the past years? have what, what is the law? What, what, right. what is the law? you can't kill them. Okay. No. you can no, you hold them in prison. You hold them in prison. When do we see how? When do we see rule? Oh, that's why right. 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 yeah. I you did a Meaning, yeah. many bro- cases, bro- you put somebody to death because of a bro- you think that after the fact, determined, that's determined whether, right, so yes. determine whether he the not. Mm-hmm. No, that's what he's using. Besden and then the Redwood. The Redwood, Two different things. Okay. The Besdin, uh, so, in the Then, in the Evans, I many cohere? How many all right. The next section is a specific halacha of war, which uh, the Rambam quotes, and the Ramban actually listed as an, as a separate mitzvah, which is that when you go to besiege a city, you're not allowed to surround it on four sides. You have to leave one side open, and there are two reasons given for this halacha. Either the reason is um, because It's actually a military reason. If you surround the city on all four sides, they will fight to the death. So you're cornered a badger, and now they fight hard. So when you leave them a way out, you're actually helping yourself conquer the city because they will be quicker to abandon it. Um, The second one is it's because of mercy, where the goal is that you're allowing people who don't want to fight anymore to get out. So the Ramban quotes both reasons. Um, And he says that from here we should learn that it's a mitzvah on Jews to have Rachmanis even on their enemies. So Rav Goren, he has a three-part series, a four-part series called Mesh of Muhammad where he talks about lots of laws of war. He says this only applies if the objective is to conquer the city. If your objective is to conquer the city, then yes, as soon as they leave, you've won, so let them go. If your objective is kill this specific population group, then leaving that side open actually counteracts the objective that you're doing. And so he says it doesn't apply to the modern wars that we're dealing with, which is we're not trying to conquer the territory specifically. We're trying to wipe out a specific population. So in the question of can Israel surround a specific area in northern Gaza? Um, So Gordon says since the objective is not to take over Gaza, then you would be uh, rather to wipe out Hamas, then you do not have to leave a side open, and you're allowed to surround each area. You don't have to leave them ways out constantly. If Israel's objective was to actually conquer Gaza, then they would have to. Um, so, either way, the Rav Gorin then moves on to, like, 50 pages straight of talking about how Jews have to have Rachmanis on their enemies, and proving it from lots of different Midrashim, and, uh, not, you know, not saying Shira when the Mitzrayim are drowned, and and lots of things like that, talking about how Rachmanis is a Jewish character trait, even on our enemies. Shlomo Gorin. Shlomo Gorin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was the chief rabbi of Israel. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's at the end. I only put it, I didn't put it in. I kind of, I found it last night a little bit too late. But uh, yes. I put in one one thing about where you could look it up at the end. Um, so that is the basic system of halacha. So to summarize, um, the modern wars are not considered melchames against amalek or the Shiva mamim. They are this in between where it's melchames mitzvah, but not what we would call Kroivim where we have to wipe everyone out. Why it if it's not the sheva? Uh, so the there is a gemara um, which says that it's melchames mitzvah if they are uh, uh, I forgot the word coming uh, coming to get you basically. So. Um, based on that, everyone says if you're doing it to specifically defend Jewish lives, then it's Mechamiz Mitzvah. And then the question then became like, how active does the threat have to be? So in the 1982 Lebanon War, there was actually a, like a three month period of silence along the border before Israel went in. So that's where the rabbinic of Israel split. Half of them said three months period of, of silence means that it's not Mechamiz Mitzvah. Other people said, well, they're stockpiling weapons to do what they want to do, so it is Mechamiz Mitzvah. Um, so there, there was a machlaikis. Um, but it, today it's for sure the holiday is Mechamiz Mitzvah. It's for sure the holiday. So um, that's why it's a Mitzvah. So um, women and children are du- directly targeting women and children would be seemingly off limits. Whether or not you'd be allowed to do a carpet bombing of an area um, is subject to the machlaikis of the Rambam and. Um, Quentin, yes. 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 And um, But most of the Rabbanim seem to find this weird in-between. Now what's interesting is that Rabbi Yisraeli um, does two things at once. He says on one hand we don't have to do the calculation of numbers. He says if there is human shields, we wipe them all out. We don't, you know, he says, he says you have to think of every Jewish soldier as if he is essential to the entire war. So by putting a Jewish soldier's life in danger, you're threatening your entire war effort. And so he says the numbers don't matter. We never you know, judge on the scales. But he also says they should not have let the Phalanges into the Shatila and Sabra camps. Which is very strange because it was a similar situation. You can, there's PL, the PLOs in this area. You can send in your tr- troops and put them in danger. Or you can send your allies in and have them go into danger. Imagine that you did know they were going to murder everybody. Seemingly it would still be a good thing to do because you're preventing your soldiers from dying. But no rub on that I found talked about it like that. They all, yeah, yeah. They all seem to like kind of view uh, you know, letting someone else kill women and children, even if it protects their own soldiers' lives, as something that, you should, that should not be done. And throughout the Lebanon War, they had similar options of carpet bombing. The possibility was available. In fact, Israel was, of course, uh, you know, accused of using too high munition bombs, cluster bombs, as, as always. But no Rabbanim was pushing for more. No Rabbanim was saying, why are we sending soldiers into South Lebanon? So even the Rabbanim who seemingly say exactly that, which is that you're allowed to go in and and you you don't put a single Jewish life in danger if you can, nevertheless pushed for soldiers to go into South Lebanon. So to me, it seems like there is an unspoken proportionality rule going on here that's behind the scenes that they're not saying explicitly. He was afraid that they slowed down. He said we should go in further and faster. He never said bomb and don't go. Yes, he said he yeah. Yeah. Proportionality is a real thing in law. So it it seems like I mean if you say international law is binding meaning that when you're destroying something you have to know that the energy that you're using is matches the threat that's there basically. That's where proportionality means in, in international law so if you have a soldier in a house you are not allowed to use a bomb that destroys the block you have to use a bomb that destroys the house essentially so um so that even I, mean, I didn't see anyone in 1982 who was pushing for just carpet bombing um so to me it seems like there's something else going on um the last thing i want to talk about which is uh no longer halakha, now it's my personal opinion um is that we have to remember this is where I get in trouble. Uh, we have to remember that every war decision is a two-way street. Whenever you make a decision about what you're going to do in war, you have to think, what is someone else going to also do in war? So when you think about it, what do you want Israel to do in Gaza? It has to be the same question. What do you want Russia to do in Ukraine? What do you want India to do in, in, in Pakistan, um, in Kashmir? Everyone, every, everywhere, you have to think. You don't don't get to say, we are right and therefore we work by a different set of rules because everyone thinks they're right. And so if you go back in history and you read accounts of uh, the Crusader Wars and you read how they conquered cities and destroyed everyone, murdered everyone, and you read accounts of World War II and you realize that we've come a long way and the world has gotten a lot better and we should be very careful not to backslide and not let enemies dictate that we are going to become a less cultured society and you know retract 75 years of progress whether or not it's allowed doesn't always mean it's a good thing to do